heights to the depths of the sea. And one, one thing we have to understand is that when kings made treaties with other kings of other nations, typically what they would do is they would marry one another, like meaning the, the king would marry the daughter of the king, other king, and that king would, his son would marry the daughter of, you know, vice versa. And they would do that for a number of reasons. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Marriage to fellow royalty was a common political strategy in the ancient world and continues to the modern age. It wasn't only because royalty wanted to marry other royalty, but also because conflict between nations was then avoided for the sake of family ties. He brought her to the city of David. Though this was permitted under the law of Moses, it was not wise or good for Solomon to do this. Later in his life, his foreign wives were the reason his heart turned away from the Lord. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. What I'd like to do this evening, we've been making our account, making our way, I should say, through 1 Kings. And I'd like to read to you the entire chapter since we can do that. And we will also be taking communion this evening together. Looking forward to that as well. And so let's just take a look at chapter 3, and just a quick synopsis of the last chapter we looked at, chapter 2. David, we know in the 10th verse of chapter 2, David finally goes home to be with the Lord after his 70 years of life and 40 years in ministry. And, um, And as David is on his deathbed, he tells his son Solomon, who was going to be the heir to his throne, Even though Adonijah, uh, David's fourth son, that he had given birth to, or that one of his wives gave birth to, when he was in Hebron, uh, before he began his reign in Jerusalem, uh, Adonijah was fourth in line. And actually, uh, because Absalom had been murdered by David's nephew, uh, Joab, it would make Adonijah the heir apparent to the throne. But one of the things that we know that David didn't do was, for some reason, he didn't broadcast the fact that God had told him very specifically that Solomon would be his heir to the throne. It wouldn't be Adonijah. In fact, I would encourage you to look at Second Samuel chapter 7, specifically verses 12 through 16, And that is what we call the Davidic covenant. It's a promise that God made to David that through his seed, um, that they would not cease to be a king upon the throne of Judah if they continued to obey God's commandments and his laws and his statutes. And in uh, in that time of God speaking to David, he not only told David that that would happen, and it would actually come from somebody 
who had not been born yet, or, or somebody that would be born other than his six initial sons. So we know that God was not speaking of David's six initial sons from six different wives. From the past, it would be through Bathsheba, because God was speaking about seed that would be raised up after him. And so that did happen, and we know that that was, and God even called him by name. And we don't find that in Second Samuel 7, honestly. We have to go to Chronicles and find out uh, that that's, God told him more, the more of the uh, dialogue that, or, or the monologue, the command that God had given to David, more of that is recorded in Chronicles than it is in Second Samuel 7. So when you put the two pieces together, and we looked at this last week, you kind of get a bigger picture of what God spoke to David specifically. And that's always important to do because Chronicles, if you remember, First and Second Chronicles is predominantly uh, the, the Chronicles of the kings of Judah. Okay, of, of certainly Saul, and then David and Solomon, and then the kings through the line of Judah. Chronicles is not so much concerned about the evil kings of the north. None of them were good. Most of the kings in the south were bad. Only a handful of them were really good. And so we, when we, as we get into kings, we also see this um, unfortunate thing that happens within the uh, rule of man, is, is that it doesn't really get better. You know, and, and it's just it's so important for us to learn from these these kings and, and, and the times that they lived in, because uh, we're living in desperate times now, and it's more important for our light to shine even brighter and, and greater now than it ever has been. And so it really behooves us to really dig into the Lord right now and to really seek Him and to be in His Word daily and allow Him to transform our lives that we could be ambassadors and uh, lights in the world that we live in. The world really needs to see Christians, number one, not being fearful. They need to see us believing what we read, and they need to see us growing. And, and I believe that God is doing that in all of us, and that's what we need to do. We need to continue to press forward toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, just as Paul reached for that that uh, that crown. We got to do the same thing. We can't give up. We can't get lazy in this time that we're living. We have to press forward Unlike ever before, unlike ever before, we need to really make our calling and our election sure. And so David passes away, and before he passes away, he tells his son uh, some specific things about specific people. Number one, uh, he speaks about Adonijah, that something should happen to him because he killed, or he he came after the king, you know, to, um, to depose him. And we know that he that that's worthy of of death, and also um, David informed Solomon of Abiathar the priest, who was a confederate uh, with Adonijah, and that was and he was a high priest, and so he informed David of these things. And also he informed of Joab, how Joab, because he had killed and murdered Abner and Amasa, uh, one of David's nephews again, that he needs to be held accountable for his murder. Because he murdered these men in peacetime. It wasn't in a war battle sequence. This was people of his own uh, house, in a sense, that he murdered with cold blood. And also Shimei... David warned him, warned him of Shimei. He was the man who threw uh, rocks and dust at David as David was fleeing in exile when Absalom was in Jerusalem. 
and seeking to overthrow David. And so David basically tells them all of these things. And in chapter 2, we see the fruition of those things. We see that Adonijah is indeed uh, executed by Solomon for for this treasonous thing that he did trying to overthrow his father. And also Adonijah wanted uh, David's uh, handmaid, Abishag, uh, the young lady who was a virgin, who was also keeping David warm at night because David was old and he couldn't keep warm. And that was just a custom of the day. There was nothing weird about that. We, we kind of look and go, what? But that was kind of the thing back then. And so he had, Solomon had Adonijah killed for his crimes. He had Abiathar, the high priest, exiled for his treachery. And certainly he had Joab executed uh, for his crimes. And Shimei, he didn't execute Shimei because Shimei just basically profaned the king and really blasphemed against him. Um, and... Some might see that as worthy of death. David was just going to let him go, but Solomon put uh, Shimei on a very, uh, put him under house arrest, basically, and told him if he left Jerusalem for any reason that he would be killed. And so a couple years goes by, Shimei forgets all about it. He goes after, we looked at this last week, and violates that command, and finally he's executed. And in the process of all that, what we see is that the, 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 the things, uh, the Things that were going on in David's life during his reign were kind of being rectified. And for some reason, David didn't fix those things while he was on the throne, which I find a little bit uneasy. Um, But such is uh, some of the character traits of David. We know that in his reign, he didn't deal with things the way he probably ought to. He was kind of aloof as a father, and he wasn't very quick to address his sons when they went astray and when they did wrongful things. He wasn't the one to bring them to task, and so he tells Solomon to do it, (laughs) and so he does, and Solomon takes care of these things. But let's go ahead and read chapter 3 now, and it says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter, and then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord, and the wall all around Jerusalem. And meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places, because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place, And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And at Gibeon, Gibeon, excuse me, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. And you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have gotten him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be uh, numbered or counted. And therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And then God said to him, And I'd put an asterisk by this if I were you. 
Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you, and I love that. I, I, I'm so I'm ready to launch on this because this is so, just so wonderful, and I love this. See, I have already... given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And also I have given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. And so if, you might want to underline the word if, So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then, underline the word then, because that if-then statement, we'll come back to that, then I will lengthen your days. And then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And notice, he can't put another asterisk by this, because we're going to look at this. And he he came to Jerusalem. And he stood before the Ark of the Covenant, because he was in Gibeon, remember, now he's in Jerusalem. He came back to Jerusalem, he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and he offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. So why don't we stop there and actually get into it, and we'll look at a demonstration of Solomon's wisdom here shortly. But let's go back to verse 1 here, because it says that Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, and this Pharaoh was probably uh, a Pharaoh by the name of Siamon of the 21st dynasty. I know that means a great deal to you, um, but that's who he was in history, in case you want to look him up. Uh, Siamon, S-I-A-M-O-N, of the 21st dynasty. And one, one thing we have to understand is that when kings made treaties with other kings of other nations, typically what they would do is they would marry one another, like meaning the, the king would marry the daughter of the ki- other king, and that king would, his son would marry the daughter of, you know, vice versa. And they would do that for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, to uh, supply assurances, because you're less likely to go against that land if you know your son or daughter is, is over there in that country. And it also it just provides some uh, promotes solidarity really between the nations involved there. And so Solomon unfortunately did this a lot, and we're going to see later on how this got him into trouble because he had a thousand women in his life, seven hundred wives, and three hundred concubines. I mean, think of how embarrassing that would be going through the, the palace and seeing. One of, the, one of the ladies, one of the thousand, walking by and you're like, is it, is it, is it Mary? Is it uh, Jessica? And she's like, no, it's, it's you know, Hannah or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, he'd have to remember all those names. Uh, probably, he didn't, probably didn't try, I don't know. But uh, a thousand women, think, think about that. Now, ladies, think about this. Let me just turn the table a little bit. How would you like to have a thousand husbands? A thousand, uh, seven hundred husbands and uh, three hundred cocky husbands. How would you feel about? Well, one thing that would be really good is that all of your painting in your house and all your fixtures would work really well because they're great plumbers, and all everything will be done. The garbage will be taken out, the laundry will be done. But think of a, a thousand women. Do you think that was the Lord? I don't think it was. 
I can tell you that it wasn't because we'll look at that. But this was the beginning by Solomon go, you know, doing this kind of thing. And he would make these kind of arrangements with other kings of other nations. And, 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 uh, and then he would multiply wives even on top of that. But this would be a harbinger, if you will, of what would ultimately cause Solomon's downfall. And yet, uh, God's grace, he was, he was merciful to Solomon, as was his promise that God had given to David concerning Solomon. Let me just read to you. you. You can put it in the margin of your Bible, but it's the Davidic covenant again. Right in your margin, right off to this verse, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, 12 through 16. 2 Samuel 7. 12 through 16. This is the Davidic covenant. And this is what it says. God speaking here says, When your days are fulfilled, David, because God is talking to David through Nathan, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he will be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. Notice that. And God was faithful to his promise because as we get further along into Solomon's reign, we're going to see him doing these very things that God had, um, had warned him about, had actually had warned the children of Israel about before they even came into the promised land. And we'll take a look at that. But he says that um, in your house and your kingdom uh, shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. That's God's promise uh, to David. And he's coming through on this promise by having Solomon on the throne. But he warns Solomon. He warns Solomon. And David, even before he, um, before he dies, he warns Solomon about this very thing. But as we said before, he had a thousand wives, and uh, you might want to write in your margin again another scripture reference. It's in First Kings. It's in this book, chapter 11, the first 13 verses. We're going to look at that real quick, because we're going to see as, as Solomon takes Pharaoh's daughter to be his wife, again, this is a foreshadowing of what was going to come. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't end well for Solomon, and you all know that through history. But notice what it says in 1 Kings 11, beginning in chapter 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites. Now I want you to remember this. Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. Write another reference down in your margin. And this is one that I've referred to a lot as we've been going through Samuel. And even now, it's a very significant passage of scripture. It's Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. Deuteronomy 20, verses 16 through 18. This is one of those passages. We're just going to pause here in the middle of 1 Kings 11 because I have to share this with you. Because it tells, God says why he doesn't want them to intermingle with these foreign uh, uh, pagan nations. But he also says, he, he, he tells them why and the consequence of it, or what's going to come of it if you do. Notice in verse 16 in Deuteronomy 20, But of the cities, and remember, God is giving to Moses this to share with the children of Israel before they even come into the promised land. 
And God says, but of the cities of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall not let anything, nothing that breathes remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite, or the Hittite. Remember we just read about, read about that? Those are one of the wives that Solomon took to be his wife. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusite. And um, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. And here's the reason why God didn't want it. Was he just a mean God who didn't want people to enjoy themselves? God is not racist. He is not racist, but what he is, he cares about sin. And when he sees a group of people, the Canaanites, who are ripe for judgment, and God was bringing his people in as a judgment against them, why? Just because they were Canaanites and he didn't like Canaanites? Had nothing to do with race. Had everything to do with sin. They continued in their sin for so long, God used his own people as the hammer of judgment. But what happened? We know what happened. They didn't completely drive out the inhabitants of the land. They did a lot, but they, they, they let some things, uh, they didn't finish the job, and it created problems for them. And here is proof positive that this is happening even right now, that they weren't faithful in driving out those inhabitants. So let's go back to 1 Kings and continue in, chat, in verse 3. It says, and, and it speaks of uh, Solomon, that he had 700 wives. So we're back in 1 Kings 11, verse 3. So Solomon had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives, notice, turned away his heart. That's exactly what God warned him about. Why do you think the word of God is so rich like this? Because it makes us accountable by the things that we read. And Solomon was accountable to this because it had been read to him many times. As a young man coming up, he would have read this. His dad would have read this to him. The Israelites knew this, but notice, For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord as God, as was the, father, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Now let me ask you a question. We know of, of David's faults. We read about them. But here's the thing about David. When David made a mistake, he turned from his sin. He owned it. When he was finally busted, one time you know, it caught up to him, and the other time he just confessed it right out, and he confessed his sin, and it changed him. He, he wasn't quite the same man, but he had a depth of character in, in, in his faith with God because he had went through this horrible emotional roller coaster of being at the very heights with God and at the very depths of despair. And that's why we get some of the most wonderful psalms that we have, because they're very real to us. They're very real to us because at some point in our lives, we're going to come across many of these things that David went through. But David wasn't a perfect man, but when he did mess up, he repented and his heart was back on the Lord. That's why God could say, he's a man after my own, God, after my own heart. Doesn't that encourage you? It ought to because if you're like me, you've made mistakes, you've sinned, you've messed up sometimes. And to know that this man really, really did some horrible things. And yet this man is in heaven. He's in heaven. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.